graduates today. We've got six people that will be graduating from either high school or college, and so we want to wish them well as they begin to embark upon another experience in life, and we hope and pray the very best for them in the coming years. We're very grateful for the opportunity to have had them, and we pray that God will richly bless them in the future. We are looking today at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. I'm not much of an NBA fan, but last night I did watch a little bit of the ball game between the Lakers and the Warriors. One of the things that stood out was the amazing play of LeBron James. For a 38, 39-year-old man, he literally left everything on the court last night in that game. Well, you know, we talk about sometimes leaving everything on the court or on the field. But what about leaving everything, or really, maybe we ought to say it like this. What about giving everything, everything that we have to offer for the cause of Christ? In our text today, really what Paul is saying to all of us, is that the Lord gave His all for us. And so there is this reoccurring question. Have we given our all for Him? Let that sink in for a moment. The Lord gave everything for us. Have we given everything to Him and for Him? Let's think about this text for a moment or two. You remember the Apostle Paul said, the love of Christ constrains us. First thing that I want to talk about, our motivation in the Lord. Again, Paul talking about the love of Christ. One of the undeniable facts of Scripture has to do with the love of Almighty God. You remember John said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, that God is love. He is the very essence of love. And yet, as you begin to sift through the Scriptures, one of the things that stands out time and time again is the fact that Jesus declared the great love that God has for all of us. That golden text, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Paul would say, God commends His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It is an indisputable fact that God in heaven loves each and every one of us. We talk about the depth of that love. How do you explain to somebody the love that God has for them? Jesus, I think, said it well. You remember the Lord said, Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. In John chapter 13, in verse 34, the Lord made a statement about the importance of His disciples loving one another. Couched in that nugget of truth, Jesus had something to say about the love that He has for us. 
You remember he said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. The command to love was not new in the sense they had never heard this before. The newness of the command had to do with the depth of love demonstrated for us at Calvary. Jesus said, as I have loved you. Again, look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The love of Christ constrains us and we judge thus that if one died for all, all died. Now listen to him. And he died for all. Doesn't that say something about the depth of God's love for us? What about the duration of that love? Do you, ever, do you ever get tired of somebody telling you how much they love you? Does it bother you? Get under your skin? You ever think, I wish they wouldn't tell me how much they love me? You know, there are some people, I think about parents, for example. As a parent, we will always love our children. Now, we may not necessarily agree with everything they do, we may, we may not necessarily appreciate some of their activities in this life. But I can tell you this, as a parent, we will always love them. Do you remember, do you remember what Jeremiah said in the long ago? Jeremiah talking about the duration of God's love for His people. He said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. There will never be a time in your life when you can say, God doesn't love me. Now, I know in a world that's filled with hatred, animosity, and prejudice, it's hard for us to understand something about the love of God. That there's a God in heaven who will love us and who will always love us. But that's what the Bible teaches. So, our motivation... Our motivation in the Lord. Again, the Lord gave everything for us. Have you given all to Him? There's a second thought I want to share with you. First, we talk about our motivation in the Lord. Secondly, our liberation in the Lord. So let's just talk for a moment or two about what the Lord has given us. Ever thought about the great cost of our redemption to God the Father? What was it Jesus said, John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Do you remember in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, Paul said that God spared not His own Son, but freely gave Him up for us all. That says something to us about the cost of our redemption to God the Father. And by the way, God the Father was the architect of this redemptive plan. We are the crown of God's creation. And God created us with the ability to make choices in life. He endowed us with that privilege. And so God, equipping man with the ability to make choices in life, recognized at some point in time man would make wrong choices in life, thereby bringing sin into the world and thus standing in need of a Savior. So God had a plan in place to redeem 
the human family. And he understood exactly what it would cost him. The cost of his son for us. What about the cost to Jesus? You ever thought about that? Again, Paul said the love of Christ constrains us. And we we judge thus that if one died for all, all were dead, and he died for all. The Lord Jesus paid the price for all. Listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul said, You have heard of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might be made rich. Did you know that Jesus, as a second member of the Godhead, has always existed? And we talk about the glory that He enjoyed with the Father throughout all of eternity. And Jesus is willing to empty Himself, divest Himself of some of the glories of heaven to come to earth and tabernacle in human flesh. Paul said, In Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, he said, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I don't know if I can fully wrap my mind around the fact that deity was willing to come to earth and walk away from some of the glories of heaven to live among men and to die for all. The Hebrew writer said that Jesus tasted death, listen to him, for every man. That means he died for you. There's a song that we all began singing as young, young folks. You remember that song, Jesus Loves Me? This I know, for the Bible tells me so. The Lord Jesus paid a tremendous cost for our sin and unrighteousness. Paul would say, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, counted not being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Now listen to him. Yes, even the death of the cross. The cross. The pain and humiliation what Jesus experienced for us, our liberation in the Lord. So what did the Lord give up for us? But then there's a second question. What did the Lord give to us? So how is it that we come out on the positive side of the ledger in regard to the death of Jesus on Calvary? The fact of the matter is that Jesus Christ died so that we might have life. Life for life. Paul said, Him who knew no sin, He became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus has redeemed us by His blood. Paul said, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Did you know that you can be forgiven today? 
of any and everything amiss in your life. You don't have to leave here trying to shoulder the burden of guilt any longer. And make no mistake about it, there are a lot of people in our world today, they are shouldered by a mountain of guilt. And there are people that live an intoxicated life day in and day out because they're trying to bear that cross of guilt. And yet that can be alleviated through an obedient life. Did you know that the Lord has the ability to pardon you from every sin? There is nothing you've ever said. There is no place you've ever been. There is nothing that you have ever thought of in your heart of hearts that cannot be forgiven. That's saying a lot, isn't it? The Hebrew writer said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. How many times have you heard about people that have had a conflict, an ongoing conflict, and they have just been gnawing and chewing on one another? And finally, one of them says, okay, we've got to resolve this issue. So they sit down, talk things out, Supposing that everything has been settled, and then sometime later, one of the parties said, do you remember what you did? Do you remember what you said? Let me tell you what, when God forgives, He forgets in the sense He will no longer hold it against us. Whatever might be in our past, according to the Scriptures, when we become a child of God, what's in the past is in the past forevermore. Because you see, in Christ Jesus, the new birth affords us a new beginning. You ever thought you'd like to start over? Go back to the drawing board, just have a clean slate? I mean, isn't that appealing? To just have a clean slate? To say, I've got a new life? Paul said, if any man's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's found in verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That new birth puts us in a position to enjoy a new beginning. Inherent in that new birth and new beginning are new blessings. One of which is forgiveness. And then let me tell you about the future that you have in Christ. Our young folks today, in some ways I envy those of you that are young. Now look, I'm not saying I'm old, even though I am. But when I think about the opportunities that lie ahead, when I think about all the things that you're going to be privileged to do in this life, opportunities of just enormous proportions, in some ways I envy you for that. Well, everybody wants to have a future. As we grow older in this life to understand that we're not leaving here alive, 
There is the sting of death that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15. But to know that though my life here might be winding down, there is a future, a future that awaits all of us. Paul would say that we live in hope of life eternal, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. It might be the case that you're here today and where you work, your employer, maybe your boss, supervisor called you in. They've been thinking about how you might be an integral part of the future of the corporation or company that you work for. And they lay out before you your future with them. That's important. But let me tell you what, in Christ Jesus you have an unbelievable future. It's all wrapped up in the Lord. And as Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Where I am, there you may be also. So we have tremendous blessings. It's not just about what the Lord gave up for us but it's also about what the Lord has given us. What's really sad is there are a lot of folks that leave blessings on the table, don't they? Walk away from great blessings that are in Christ Jesus. Now, there's a third thought I want to share with you. Our motivation in the Lord, our liberation in the Lord, and then thirdly, our consecration to the Lord. Paul writes, the love of Christ constrains us, and we judge thus, that if one died for all, all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So there's some thoughts here that we ought to consider. Number one, what Paul is saying is, first and foremost, it is required that we deny self. In, a, in an age of selfishness, in a day and time when people are so consumed about what they want and what they need, you don't hear a lot about sacrifice and self-denial. And yet Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Paul said that we should no longer live for ourselves. It's not, about, it's not about me. In Galatians chapter 2, remember what Paul said? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So there is a denial. And then secondly, there is a death. You have to die. I have to die to self. Paul said that we should no longer live for ourselves. Listen again, I have been crucified with Christ. Crucifixion signifies death. So what am I dying to? I'm dying to self. Dying to the love and the practice of sin. I understand that there is something far greater, spiritually speaking, that I need to buy into. 
So there is denial, there is death, and then the call for dedication. Paul said that we should no longer live for ourselves, but for Him who died and rose again. So here's my question to you. Have you given your all to the one who gave his all for you? That is a pointed question. When it comes to the church, the work of Christ, I think first and foremost, when we talk about being dedicated to the cause of Christ, what does that mean? What does it mean to be dedicated to His cause? Number one, it means that I need to be interested in the Lord's work. How interested are you in the cause of Christ, in the work of the Lord? Are you interested? Do you have a genuine interest in being a viable part of the body of Christ? There's not just interest involved, but there must be, we might say it like this, we have to invest in the work. We need to be willing to invest our life in the Lord's work. Now, I want you to please listen to me very carefully. Living the Christian life is much more than just showing up on Sunday or Wednesday night. Now, I'm not minimizing the importance of that. I think worship is vitally important. The Lord wants us to worship. But when I read the Scriptures, what I find out is Christianity is to impact my life 24-7. Day in and day out. I am to be fully invested in His work. You remember Jesus on one occasion chided the Apostle Peter because he said he wasn't mindful of the things of God, but the things of men, rather? What are you doing for the cause of Christ in your life? Remember in Matthew chapter 25? Jesus pictures the judgment. And Jesus on that occasion said that He will say to those on the right hand, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Naked, you clothed me. I was a stranger, you took me in. Sick and in prison, you visited me, you came to me. And the response is, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or naked or stranger? Sick and in prison. Jesus said, inasmuch as you did it unto one of these least of my disciples, you did it unto me. Are you interested in the work of the Lord? Are you willing to invest in the work of the Lord? Because let me tell you what, the dividends of living the Christian life are unbelievable. And then thirdly, you have to be involved in the Lord's work. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul draws an analogy between the human body and the body of Christ. We have one body comprised of many members, don't we? 
By the same token, the church is one body but comprised of many members. So when it comes to my human body, how much do I need my right hand? How much do you need your right hand, your right arm? What about your legs? Every part in my body has to work in concert if my body is to function at capacity. That means in the body of Christ, in the church of Christ, every member of the body has to be functioning in his or her necessary role in order for the church to function at capacity. We can only do what we can only do insofar as people sign on. This is a volunteer army, isn't it? When's the last time you wrote a card? When's the last time, when's the last time you sent a text to somebody and told them, I'm praying for you, thinking about you. I know you're having a tough time. Just want you to know you're in my thoughts and prayers. When's the last time you made a meal for somebody? When's the last time you talked to somebody that, quite frankly, spiritually speaking, is not in a good place and said to them, you know what, we really need you back. You need to become faithful again to the Lord because if you're not faithful, you're not going to make it to heaven one day. When's the last time you talked to somebody about the Lord and said, you have just a minute for me to tell you about the blessings of Christianity? What are you doing for His cause? He gave His all for you. And the question of this hour, have you given your all for Him? Listen, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, Paul made it abundantly clear, the Lord has given His all for us. The expectation? That we give our all to Him. So here's the deal. Either we are or we're not. Simple as that. Can't make it any plainer. Either we are giving our all to Him or we're not. I can't make that call for you. You've got to make that call. So I encourage you today, reflect upon all the great blessings that God has bestowed on you. He is the giver of all life, breath, and all things, as Paul would say. It's in Him that we live and move and have our very being. He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And all these great blessings, all the things that God has done for us, so my question to us, what have we done for Him? What are we doing for Him? Here's what it's all about. Matthew chapter 5, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. To live my life to the glory of God. Nothing more, nothing less. That's what He wants. 
If you're here today and you're not a Christian, could I encourage you to come to Christ, believing Jesus to be the Son of God, to do what they did on Pentecost Day 2,000 years ago. They were told to repent, be baptized. The Lord added those who were being baptized into Christ to the church, Acts 2, verse 47. They enjoyed the forgiveness of sins. And the exhortation is to be faithful until death. Paul said it well, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So if you're here today, maybe your life, not what it ought to be. You need the prayers of the church to become stronger, more faithful, to live in such a way so that you're giving your all for the Lord. Could we pray with you and for you today as we stand and sing?